I treat everybody the same. I didn't discriminate, I suppose. Oh, look at me. Yeah, I've got this massive sort of like square footage. Welcome to Salonomics, broadcasting from Essex. It's the 12th of March, and you're listening to the show where we talk about stuff and things. The Bitcoin price is currently $56,690. Can I get a whoop whoop, Joe? Well, yes. Yeah, my, my sort of little bit is worth $457. My little Sososhis, or whatever it's called. Happy days. Ooh. Anyway, let me finish the intro. I'm your host, Aaron Dawn, and joining me once again from North London is my hair, Romeo. <laughs> Joe <laughs> Mimic. Romeo, oh God. I can tell you, yeah, thanks very much. I wish, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Romeo, Romeo, well, wherefore I'm... out there, Romeo? It's on the floor, six, six inches off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> what is the hair? <laughs> oh God. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought it back to hair because I was worried about where you was going to take it. Then. <laughs> yeah. How are you, mate? All right. Good. Yes. Yeah, sort of, um, pouring down Reiki, hit the rain on my uh, skylight windows. Um, sort of just pounding down rain, mate. Here. I don't know where you. I don't know what back no, what's happening in Westcliff on Sea, but it's pouring down. You know there. what? It's sunny here, mate. It's always sunny in Southend. You should know that by now. Always, exactly. Always sunny down here. Yes, so then, um, I've got some feedback from last week's show. Do you want to hear it? Oh, please do, yeah. Um, so, uh, a Lionel Zondervan. Excuse me? He, um, Lionel? Don't, don't ask me, his name's Lionel Zondervan. Hi, Lionel. I don't know, maybe it's a pseudonym. But anyway, he says, um, last week's show, um, Our Contactless Shops the Future, that's Salonomics 19, if anyone wants to go and listen to it. Uh, but he says, I think Joe's analysis about contact shops was spot on. But does Joe think that Amazon are going to enter the salon space? I, no, I don't think they are. But obviously they will capture a massive market because of the product sales, right? Um, and, and, you know, so in, in America, the, um, the industry is very different to, to here with, with, with certain... Um, or regulations and licenses so i mean you, you kind of realize with the um with the pandemic because in california where the the starry salon is um operated they hardly had any trade had they as, as in so customers walking through the doors but yet the online mm. sales has been phenomenal so i kind of sort of see it that um no i think it, it's a uh, i feel like you sort of said right it's a gap yeah. Yeah. I mean, after the show, I mean, it really got me thinking the show because I mean, what are Amazon known for? Amazon are known for like logistics, right? They're known for, you know, selling things and getting them delivered to you as quick as possible. Um, but I do believe, I think it's quite well known that Jeff Bezos, he makes lots of bets. Like, you know, he's tried his own TV channel. He's tried, you know, doing things that are kind of outside the box just to, you know, just to basically try these things and see what works. And I think if Starring by Ted Gibson was a foray into salon franchisees, then I think the pandemic's probably scared him off, mate, because at the end of the day, um, he's used to being open 24-7. 
and yet he invested into this salon business, which was closed for a year. And obviously that doesn't compute with Amazon's way of doing things. So I think what we've seen in Ealing Broadway now is rather than invest in non-essential shops, I think Amazon's future will be in essential shops. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I agree. I, I, the, way, so, the way I sort of see it, in America, right, we, we came across um, Salon Republic, didn't we? Yeah, which is a fantastic business model. Yeah. I don't know if anyone's seen that, but essentially, Salon Republic. How would you describe it, Joe? It's, it's, it's essentially a guy's opened up a huge space and he rents out booths to hairdressers. And each individual booth is, is owned and operated by the individual within it. So what essentially he does is he removes the need for the hairdresser or the salon owner to worry about the electricity, the lights, the heating, you know, the music. Uh, do you know what I mean? Which, he, that, which is, he removes which is the worry exactly. about needing insurance, you know, salon insurance and this, you know, for the property. Exactly. Which is ex so you can focus on just doing hair, hair right? Right, exactly. Which is, I always sort of said, back to basics. And, and, and also, which is very similar to what I was sort of describing the salon of the future. Okay, because I think the, the era of the, the massive salons is finished. Really, you, you, you do. Yeah, you can't have five thousand square foot of um, working environment, right? With with six chairs or ten chairs, it it just becomes yeah. Pointless. It's a bit of a liability yeah. after the pandemic. Yeah. I think people. I, I don't know. I'm conflicted on this because obviously certain salons, uh, like our good friend over on Canby, he's got a big space there, so he can comfortably deal with six chairs in his big space and there's no social distancing but issues. the rent is according the rent the rent is according exactly so what i was about to say was you know obviously in somewhere like islington or central london yeah. you know that space is an absolute premium exactly. so you've got a small little salon yeah. in london yeah. you're going to need to squeeze as many chairs in there as possible and make it viable did you, right? did you find out how what the square footage of, of the amazon the star of ted gibson was did you find out how, how big it was I didn't, but from from the website, when I had a look on that, it looks like there's only three booths. Okay, so you could have talked about 750 square feet maximum. I, I, maybe, maybe, but when you go to book a stylist, there's literally three stylists in there, mate. Right, so it's not that big. So it's, a, it's not that big, no. yeah, which, I mean... Which is, basically speaking, again, what we were sort of saying last week in last week's show, the space is a premium, and, and less bodies is a premium, so yeah. so why have forgive me there's five that's five okay one's ted ted's the owner jason's a, 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 another owner and then there's three other stylists that work out right. of there so there's five in total yeah. so you know that's not going to be a giant space for five five yeah. hairdressers even though salons in america generally are yeah <laughs> they are huge yeah. compared it, to them um, exactly salons in good old bright blighty right yeah exactly exactly it's it's that sort of the bigger I am, the better I am, I suppose. Oh, look at me! Yeah, I've got this massive sort of like square footage of salon. I've got fifty, sixty staff. You know what I mean? It's well, what's the point? Sorry, you got. And you think headaches. the days of that that establishment yeah. over here are numbered? Completely, completely. You, you know, it, it's 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 hence hence why these salon owners, these sort of, all these campaigns came about, really, because at, at the day. Um, it doesn't affect the, the majority of the sun owners. 
Oh, you, you're making a great segue there, Joe. You're getting good at this podcast in Lark, mate. I was going to go <laughs> ding and go, like, draw the whole thing to a halt and go on to the next subject. Um, yeah, so basically, um, last show was all about contactless salons being the future. <clears throat> this show, we really wanted to get into the the debate surrounding salon owners, freelancers, and professional bodies in our industry in the UK. Um we are, well, the, what's the, the, I mean, what what's the question? Well, I mean, the show's going to be titled Bending the Rules, right? Um, and basically, there's so many rules that people are asking to come into our industry. We're going to re- explore how you can bend them um, in order not to have your business completely upset and ruined by some of these draconian measures, well, right? You, you sent me an email the other day regarding the Hair and Beauty, uh, Hair and Barber Council, and with their collaboration with uh, a certain salon owner called Colette Osborne. Okay. And do you think we should be naming these people? Do you not think we should be well, just talking about them in a category? Well, like there's I, a professional body out there, or I, I think I think they have to be named because because purely because they they think they they use numbers to to, to argue their case, right? Uh, and then when you look at the numbers, it, it all sounds pretty, but then I, I keep telling you that they, their campaigns seem to be pointless, and I'll tell you the reason why. Um, I'm just sort of like just sort of see that how many there's five thousand five hundred sun owners registered with the Sun Owners United, and there's yeah. the um, the Hair and Beauty Council, Hair and Barber Council. They got like about forty-seven thousand, right? Um, yeah. Well, t- ten thousand five hundred registered members. Um, yeah. Everything. So it's a small group of people, and they use it. And, and I mean, the whole industry as a whole is about half a million, right? Well, you, you say that, right? And so it's about 10%. Yeah, 10%. So, so they, they're representing the industry and they're, they're trying to get the industry regulated uh, and they keep um, pr- putting pressure on the, the, the MP and the MP puts pressure, they, they represent their case in the House of Commons. And, um, you know, I'm not going into sort of details, but this is the government's response, right? We're going to the sort of like um, the Hedges Registration Act in 1964. And they found out, right, that there's approximately 42,000 hair and beauty businesses in the UK. 42,000, right, hair and beauty. So we're talking about hairdressers, manicurists, barbers, and things like that, right? Sure. Employing 260,000 people. And this is a government's um, response. So all these numbers that the Hair and Beauty Council comes up with, or the professional folks come up with, right, doesn't mean anything to me. All right. Pr- that's employees as yeah, well. Yeah, you know, exactly. they are. The, I think the Hair Council and Salon Owners United. I think they vehemently support employees and well, salons. Well, they're meant to be neutral, general, right? right? They're, they're, they're not necessary. They, they well, they don't. They like to say that they represent everyone in the industry. They do, but, but we find a lot of what they talk about discriminates against self-employed and well, we're not just the pandemic right hence why we sort of yeah. started um, badgering them right and, yeah. and again 93 percent of the business employees right and this we're talking about 42,000 hair and beauty businesses okay so 93 percent of those businesses employs yeah. less than 10 people okay so 70 yeah. percent of that employs less than five people 
So the majority of these industries, right, falls into what they call the small and micro businesses clarification, which the government right. believes that mandatory registration will prevent the policy, will prevent them, prevent the policy from being achieved. So it only applies to about one percent, well, seven percent of the yeah. argument. Okay. So these, so. Yeah, so the question is, if the Hair Council get their way and impose these regulations on the entire industry, yeah. then what can people do to get around them? Can we defeat these regulations uh, oh, and make them futile? Of course you can, but before, I, before we go into that, right, now the, yeah. the, the petition also highlights the cases of poor health and safety issues, as well as hygiene yeah. and control of dangerous substances, which we all understand with chemicals. Now, there's already regulations regarding health and safety enforced by local authorities anyway, right? Right. Do you know what I mean? Hence why the councils, yeah. there's why they've got the Kangos. So again, yeah. why, why they're sort of picking on things already doesn't need to be picked on. I, I, find, I find them to be quite um, inept in understanding what the industry needs or how to go forward with it. And this is the interesting thing, what the government recommends them, right? This is the, the last paragraph says, says it all to me. We therefore encourage the hair and beauty industry to come together to formulate and agree measures, including alternatives to regulation needed to drive up the standards of exemplary customer service and well-being in this vibrant and value sector. So in effect, right, the government knows, right, it's a, it's a fantastic industry, very important for, for, for the community and everything, but they need to... But the government knows where micro-businesses, right? There's, there's hundreds and hundreds of micro... Thousands of micro-businesses. Yeah. And to get all of these people to agree on something... Yeah. It's going to be nigh on impossible. Exactly. Because, because one or two people's got gripes, doesn't, doesn't mean it's going to affect... It, it can't affect the rest of the population, as in the hairdressing business. All right? yeah. So again, the, the hairdressing council, the, the National Hairdressing Beauty Board, the, all these professional bodies. Yeah, who are the protagonists? Do you want, do you want to list them? So we've got the Hair and Barber Council, we've got Salon Owners United. National um, Hair, are, National are Hair they, and they, Beauty Federation. Yeah, but are they, are they asking for mandatory... Well, the, the regulation. Well, the Heron, Heron, Heron Bubble Castle are very, very active, right? On this. No, I know they are, but 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 uh, they, like I say, these are all different factions. There's so many of them. No, um, I, and I'm, you know, and I'm looking. Are they are they all on the same page? No, is what I want to no, know. You know, they're not. They're not far from it. Because we've got the the bar, the BBA. We've got the British Beauty Council. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I know they're obviously all asking for VAT. You know, uh, to be. Uh, to be reduced, like hospitality. Um, but, you know, are all of these factions, are they all on the same page with mandatory licensing, mandatory regulations? Well, well let, let's look at the uh, the council, for example, right? Who's the chairman? In Bill Shaw, you know, I've never heard of him. MBE, Register Keith Conover, you know, I've heard of him. Um, there's all these representatives from Weller, silent owners, Habia, Gil, political activists, you know. I don't think these people are hairdressers as such, act actively hairdressers, all right? They're 
I don't know. Yeah. I, I, if I'm wrong, they're not active. What you're saying is that they're more like bureaucrats yeah. than than actual, than yeah. actual working. Yeah. Right, and they're trying to, Sometimes. and they're all trying to bring in regulations, right, based on bad experiences from sort of client experiences, you know, sort of like their colours didn't take and this and that. Now, if all these professional bodies, right, mem um, their representatives, and we this for argument's sake, let's let's give them a bit of that, right? They're all active hairdressers, all of them, in all the government bodies, all that. Are they telling me? They've never done a mistake in their lives on a client. They, they, they're telling me, right, they've never done a wonky haircut or a dodgy colour because it happens, Aaron. Of course. I'm not saying accident, but things don't take as you predict or as you expect. It doesn't happen. It, it does happen. So them trying to sort of like say, we're trying to prevent this, it's, it's impossible. Who are they trying to be? Play God? They're trying to sort of regulate something that you cannot prevent. It's impossible. And what I find really dis disturbing about them, right, is they're sort of saying mm. that they're, they're trying to stop unqualified, untrained people using substances or, or, or treating hair. Now, for you and me, if someone is untrained and unqualified, what are they not, Aaron? They're not hairdressers. <laughs> they can, you yeah. cannot call them a hairdresser. So again, why are they sort of putting us into a category that doesn't exist? I, I just don't understand it. I mean, who employs someone who's not trained or qualified to do hair treatments? You know, and, and this person with the silent owner's representative, right, is saying that these these people exist. So again, I, I don't understand where they're coming from. I really find it mm. very, very um, sinister in, in their um, involvement. So can we not explore, you know, what, what essentially are they asking for? So they're asking, let's break it down in, in real terms. They're asking for mandatory licensing for every single professional in the industry, right? Yeah. So how do you go about getting that license, Joe? Well, obviously you've got to be qualified. You've got to go first. You've got to be qualified, right? Yeah. Which is uh, so college. College. I mean, not even, I mean, even if you've got in-house training, you're still got to get assessed by the colleges, okay? Hmm. So what I wonder is how all this kind of ties into the insurance aspect, because obviously. When something's regulated, then there's guidelines to be insured against. And insurance, you know, will insurance play an even more major role in, in our industry going forwards? Because obviously, if everybody's like licensed, there's a threat of removing your license, right? Mm -hmm. So you can't trade. Well, again, this is, this is the interesting thing is there's, uh, there's lawyers acting on their behalf, who's trying to get these um, regulations through, right? So again, why, why are you getting lawyers in, involved in, in to sort of like um, put more unnecessary expenses in, into a hairdresser's salon's operation um, thing? So, mm. you know, I feel like you're sort Well, of I mean, look, the irony that I want to point out in all of this is...
with increased regulations and rules comes, you know, more, should we say, stringent checks on someone's ability to trade, right? Yeah. So therefore, if you need a license to trade, then you're absolutely 100% going to need certain level of insurance, public liability insurance or salon that, insurance in order to trade as well. That's a yeah. But what have Salon Owners United... So if we can say that Herb and Barber Council and the Salon Owners United have both been actively campaigning to sue the insurance companies because the insurance companies haven't paid out you know, business disruption over the last year, why are they having a conversation to give them more scope to control our industry? When they're in the process of suing them, because I believe I believe they've uh, had a crowdfunder yeah. in order to raise money to take it to court, and obviously you know they've they've raised hardly anything towards their tight uh, towards their target target amount. Yeah. But it just seems nonsensical to me, Joe, where you're in a dispute with the insurance industry, but at the same time you are asking everyone in the industry to sign up for more rules that can be regulated by an insurance industry. In order to trip you up and fine you and remove your license and be litigious. So who are the winners in regulation? So if, if they got their way and the entire industry was regulated with licensing, who wins in that scenario? Could they cancel? Yeah, could they? So the count, I think there's more than one winner though, aren't they? So the Hair and Barber Council now now get paid by us all to keep a register. Well, you've got 42,000 businesses already, right? Or they had to register. For, for a start, so they're going to get forty-two thousand members. Well, so it's another it's another expense, right? And yeah, you know, for the salon yeah, owner, exactly. All right, it's fifty quid. So you know, it, whatever it is, you, you can sort of say we could swallow that. But they're going to get more members. They're going to become more active. They're going to become more vocal, and more vocal, right, means more uh, presence um, to, to towards um, getting getting things done. So it it can. I, I can't understand how... I don't think it's just the council that win, though, is it? Because, obviously, it's all the training providers. It's all the educators. Yes. yes. Um, it's all the education. The professional bodies win. Um, the governing bodies that control the education, they win. Because, obviously, to be qualified, you absolutely need an NVQ yep. in order to get the insurance yep. that you need. Yep. Now, people like you and myself... We don't have MVQs no. in hairdressing. No. We've just got 20 years experience. Speaking for myself, um, you know, I've got 20 years experience in the industry and I've been taught by some stellar names. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that is that was the root of most people back in, you know, uh, up, to, up, to, up to a certain period. Yeah, yeah. Up to, yeah. About 22 years ago, I think, when the MVQ sort of came in, I think, 20, 20 years or yeah. something like that. So the professional bodies win, the governing bodies win. Yeah. Do the salon owners win? Uh, I don't think they do. Yeah. Insurance companies win. Yep. The lawyers and solicitors win. Yep. They all win if this thing gets passed. Yeah. In my opinion, the people that lose are you and I yep. as individual hairdressers yep. because we would probably need extortionate amount of money to be spent on uh, public liability insurance in order to carry on being freelance. Because, because all the rules are going to be put in place and agreed upon by a subsection of 7% of the industry, like you're saying, 
then the rules are going to be made very, very difficult for new players to enter the arena. Do you think, then, that the, the terminology of freelance will be extinct? It will be. I mean, they're already trying to attack the self-employed in our industry. Well, they've um, done that successfully. Well, not successfully. They've done that successfully. Not, they're, um, no, they're successful in bashing us, but... It, Unsuccessful in not getting anything done. I mean, it, it, well, like you say, ninety-three percent of the industry aren't listening no. to these bureaucrats. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. you know, it's only us that are actually putting it out there, saying to everyone, "Look, guys, I really don't think this is a good idea. Not only is it futile because it won't work, you're actually pandering to these giant corporations like insurance companies who will assent, who you're in dispute with." Mm. You know, they don't seem to understand that they are serving the people that they're fighting yes. at the same time. Do you know what I mean? That's the ultimate contradiction. That's the ultimate hypocrisy of this whole thing. These people are that dim. They don't seem to understand that That's right. what is bad, what's bad for the individual is bad for everybody. Well, they're actually insulting us. Yeah, they really yeah. are insulting us. I, I, I'm not sort of saying you, you've got to have a degree to become a hairdresser but please don't insult us at the same time that we need this we need this yeah. we need this we don't yeah mm. well you know one of the interesting thing is right my my nephew you know he he left levels um because he, he just didn't like the stand of hairdressing there because he, he was going to a much wider audience of um, haircuts. joe is that not is that not is that are you allowed to say things well like it, that? It's, it's left anyway it's given his notice in so it's left right oh yeah so, okay okay so I, I could, and and he's he's no longer a neville girl no <laughs> a neville boy and um his inspiration right is this from this guy um a rod have you heard of a rod on Instagram. Yeah, he's an American barber, right? right. Who sells gloves, rubber gloves. And, but his work is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a huge Instagrammer. He's probably got over a, a million followers on Instagram. So, yeah, he's an influencer, right? Okay. In the modern day term. So, I mean, his work is phenomenal. The way his fusion of barbering and hair, hairdressing, you know, women's hairdressing, it's just brilliant. You know, just a sort of yeah, yeah. Anyway. Oh, yeah, totally. And it came round to me the other day, right? Because I, I saw that talk. Um, I was teaching sort of the haircutting and um, gave one-on-one lessons. Anyway, I said, how did you come across um, A-Rod, right? He goes, look, I was looking for inspiration because he loves the industry, but he just doing like, yeah, yeah this sort of frou-frou type of uh, work, right? So, I said, well, yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of apprentices struggle with getting their head around learning men's hair and women's hair at the same time, yeah. don't they? Yeah. And, and sometimes they... They choose one discipline or the other, don't yeah, they? Yeah, exactly. But, he, but you know, as I said to a lot, in order to learn haircutting, you have to learn the basics, basically speaking. And, and then once you learn the basics, then you can explore to the next levels. Anyway, I said to him, who is this A-Rod? You know where, where A-Rod learned his trade from? I don't know. Is he like Puerto Rican or something? Is he like Latino or something? Yeah, he's Puerto Rican, right? But he actually learned Barbary in the army. Ah, <laughs> I mean, he, he, his work is phenomenal. I mean, yeah. I, I actually watch it myself, right? You know I me; mean? I don't do YouTube or anything like that. Mm. And yet, this guy he learnt his trade in the army. I mean, he's a tinkerer. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Has he been tinkering? Probably. I mean, so, he, he probably been clipping all this all day, right? Every day, you know, doing. 
20 a day or yeah, whatever. Yeah, no, of course. And he, he, yeah, yeah. He and he, like, he knows a set of clippers, yeah, right? He must have uh, technique. Clippers are just the extension of his arm, exactly. right? Exactly. That's, that's exactly why I taught my nephew. The scissors are the extension of your hand, right? Simple as that. Mm. So he learned one technique and then he explored everything else from that. Now, where in the world, right, would you get that free to express yourself uh, approach? In a free market. Yeah. Exactly. where you can experiment and you can tinker. Exactly. I've said this for years, since my time at the MH Fed, you can't tell people to get better at their job. No. You can only inspire them yeah. to get better at their job. Yeah, 100%. Um, and, and look, let's, let's explore the American vibe because I believe America is one place in the world where this cosmetology license is mandatory. Because essentially that's what the Hair and Barber Council and all these professional bodies, that's what they're campaigning for, right? They are campaigning for the American model over here. Now, do you know um, what that means in America? Well, it's, it's, it out, it's ours. You, you, you get your license. It's ours. Right. So, so every state has its own set of right. rules, right? Yeah. So, you know, a barber, there's, you have to do a thousand hours. Yeah. But where do you do your thousand hours education? You have to do your education from an accredited school, Joe. So you or I wouldn't be able to teach hairdressing because we wouldn't be allowed. We're not accredited. No. And yet I would argue there's things that we know that these schools may not know. 100%. I think to, to remove an entire layer of experience from teaching the next generation... I think is short-sighted and 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 not only that Joe some of the other mandatory regulations they're talking about bringing in is the fact that assistants and apprentices won't be able to touch hair in the salon unless they're qualified and why is that because because of insurance, insurance I'm say. they would need to have a license fully qualified to get insurance but how do you become fully qualified if you can't touch hair? You've got to learn somewhere, right? You've got to learn or You've start. You've got to learn somewhere. Yeah, start I somewhere, mean, what, yeah. blockheads for the rest of your well, life? This is it. And, and that's why, if you actually look at the American hairdressing, right? all the best, ha best hairdressers in America aren't exactly American, are they? you know no they probably come from elsewhere but but they've all had to but my point is this they're they're still having to you know uh step over these laser beams of regulation so the education that they need depends from state to state so each state has its own licenses it has its own specific guidelines you know if you want to go and travel from one state to another you got to make sure that you adhere to like the local the local rules yes. you know so it just seems it's a bureaucrats and administrators heaven yeah which, to have which, mandatory and licenses our and regulation need it because we are i'm not saying we're not conformists we, we don't need it but this is another thing though right the, these they saw like the hair hair and bubble council and professional bodies was to sort of get into regulation right now if they look at the american model fine but there's one thing about the american model that i haven't looked into Right. Every hairdresser in America is self-employed. They don't employ hairdressers in America. Did you know that? Is that a fact? That's a fact. No, I didn't That's know that. Fact. How did you find that out? I knew that many years ago because I wanted to work in Los Angeles many years ago. I, I, did, a, oh. I did a bit of stint in New York um, in, in the early 80s as well, right? And 
there's they don't employ you you're actually self-employed is that is that a hundred percent oh right i'm gonna google this all <laughs> hairdressers in america self do they call it self-employed yeah, self over there mate? Yeah. do they or freelance all right self-employed our list of hair breakdown uh. they all work on commission only seriously mm. they might get a minimum basic if 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 some sounds but from what i know they all work on the commission only which is self-employment uh, right it says 10 percent of total u.s employment were self-employed so i'm not sure mm. that, that that's like the whole that's in 2015 self-employment i don't know no no uh, seriously, we'll to, seriously I'll have to that's that. uh, oh, no seriously mate seriously so all hairdressers, all hairdressers are self-employed self well that makes sense when it comes to like the, the salon republic booth that's right you know booth scenario because you need your license you're responsible for your own space it's, and you go and well, cut well you, right? you've, you've got your own you've got your own cosmetology license if you're a hairdresser yeah. you're barber whatever so yeah. you can take that anywhere with you can't you that is your license to to operate yeah um yeah no of course that is your license to operate but but like i say i mean is america a shiny beacon of you know hairdressing talent i mean no. obviously you've, you're going to have amazing hairdressers within 15 million people doing doing the same job do you know what i mean but i think the point we're trying to make is will licensing and mandatory regulation increase the standard of hair yes or no no, no. yeah i can't i can't it, see you, you take away the freedom to express they mean you take away the freedom to express by putting regulations in then you're killing something i'm not, I'm not I'm, yeah you're killing the competition aren't well, you you're, you're killing those mavericks from coming yeah. in and basically inventing new techniques and doing new things yeah. essentially what we're saying is anyone that was talented that didn't have a license they might be able to put their work on instagram but they'd be breaking the law yeah <laughs> do you know what i mean exactly you, you know so all these people like lee stafford that learned in his mum's kitchen i thought he learned with amazing iconic say that again i thought he learned at neville daniels Least. He did. No, he did at the beginning, but essentially that his formulative years I think were spent in his, his kitchen. But I'm sure there's many examples. I know for example Josh Lamonica, um, who's the captain of Menspire, uh, he learnt in his grand's garage. Do you know what I mean? And he's now one of the leading lights in the, the men's, you know, hair hair industry. Well yeah, you practice, right? You know, look, we will we'll practice up some point or something or like, you know, you so what you see in the salon right? you go home and you practice. It's, it's the best way you know if you if you just sort of learning in a college learning 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 and yet you know with school days people would absorb it some people won't absorb it but yeah you know but the it's up to the individual and that's a, that's the beauty of our industry i could go to work watch all day and then I'll go home and practice that's how you're going to learn from from experience sure. you don't actually learn good haircuts you actually learn from bad haircuts because you said, right, I can't do that again. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you can't, you can't learn anything unless you make a mistake. And, yeah, right? and going back to the, uh, the council, with um, the council of their regulations, right? Most of their complaints they've been getting, and this is my sort of research from, um, you know, in, in to do with the, with clients' complaint, is in, in the, it's in the beauty sector. It's not in the hairdressing sector. 
right? Yeah, it's chemicals, yeah, right? Exactly. I mean, most exactly. No, I agree with you. Most of the complaints about things that go wrong in the salon are generally related to chemical or substances or, or beauty, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, if, if if this salon of uh, waxes and peels, exactly. and, uh, yeah, essentially, you know, kind of evasive kind of treatments, right? Exactly, right? Because you know, again, the skin's going to react differently. Sometimes people could just come in a bad mood or, or whatever mood or whatever. And it's that little fraction of a second, isn't it? You know, fraction of a second, too late, too long, or too not enough or whatever, that, that sort of determines the result. And, and that's what it complains about. Now, how do you get around that? If I was a hairdresser salon, and you know me, I didn't have a beauty sector in my salon. I did not. No. Because why do I need a headache just to earn... A, a couple of quid. Besides, I didn't need a beautician, right, to prop my clientele up, really. Yeah. You know what I mean? So again, yeah. it, it's it's these top salons, right, which have beauty beauty in their businesses, are the are the um, the ones who are sort of mo probably moaning. They're part of the seven yeah. percent that are yeah. asking yeah. for more rules. It, it, exactly. Really. So yeah. So again, more rules come more expense. I mean, we spoke on previous shows about you know getting put into the uh, business uh, sustainability sector, you know, where we're overlooked by um, environmental. Is it the, what did it stand for again? B-I-S? B uh, business environment? I don't know. Yeah, anyway, yeah. whatever. -I -S, it's, all, yeah. it's all Greek to yeah. us. Essentially, um, now we're in that personal care sector and we're looked after by that particular political um, yeah. group yeah. um, think tank. Um, essentially, what that means is in a few years' time, if you're producing too much carbon, you can be fined for it or you can be penalised. Um, and, you know, once again, another rule to prevent you from trading. Um, and like I say, we've got the leaders in our industry asking, asking for more rules just to make it difficult for the rest of us. It was my point about the VAT thing. You know, they're all asking for 5% VAT and a reduction from it. They should be asking to eliminate it. The people at the top, they shouldn't be demanding more taxation for the people at the bottom. They should be demanding for less taxation all around. And that is my biggest issue with them. These people are actively asking government to tax us more. But do you think the, the government is actually asking them to actually get us to get... No, no, I don't think the government... The government aren't interested, as well, you said. I, you know, they can't, they can't control this industry because it's so split and it's so divided. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's these bureaucrats that are getting political um, people on their side to try and sway an opinion in Parliament to get mandatory licensing through the, through the door and look what does mandatory licensing mean who wins joe the professional bodies the people that that um educate you know the uh, the um trainee mm. providers mm. Mm. um the the governing bodies you know because it will it will enforce every single um apprentice from now on to go down this one funnel whereas currently You've got two or three different funnels into the industry. You can learn yourself from a YouTube video and cutting your mate's hair and get good that way, like many people have. Like I say, Lee Stafford, Josh LaMonica, they all kind of started down that road. 
Um, you can learn by going to your local college and being super determined and getting your qualifications and landing a job. You can go that route of entry. The third route of entry is just working at a local salon on a Saturday, you know, as a Saturday person. Right, do you know right. what I mean? To begin with and get... So at the moment, there's three... There was a lot, there was a lot of fun in the business, wasn't there? There was fun. Yeah, of course. But there's three ways to get into yeah, the business. Yeah. What these people are asking for is one way to get into the business. Yeah, which... And, and, and for me, that's unacceptable. You're straight away, you're limiting the amount of people that will want to come into the space. Because I keep going back to the wages situation, but when your careers officer at school explains to your parents that you can earn more money stacking shelves at the supermarket than you can for the first, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight years of your hairdressing career, what are you going to do, Joe? Well, the, the, listen, mate, it, you know, it, it beggars belief. Because, you know, the, the, what I'm trying to sort of figure out, right, is how these sort of like um, selling owners, when you, when you were sort of talking about the uh, the VAT and things like that, they were sort of going about um, our, our business has been decimated by the pandemic. What's stopping them putting their prices up? By yeah. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? They think by regulating the industry and removing the bottom rung of the ladder, i.e. Turkish barbers, people like you and I, the freelancers um, that go to people's houses and whatnot, they think by removing that level of, of, of players, they will automatically be able to increase their prices. Yeah. They think regulation or, will or, 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 increase prices do you think increase and increase prices standards. Or increase prices or have more footfall? You see... Well, I think I think it's I think it's both. I think they are the uh, the argument I heard for years from the Hair and Barber Council was we can charge more if we're a professional regulated industry, which you and I both know is bump because we're in a free market. Yeah. You charge three hundred pound for a cut and blow dry, you know, yeah. in London. Yeah. No one's telling you to charge three hundred pound, but people pay three hundred pound for a cut and blow dry from you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you. I mean, and that's your choice. That's right. You chose to put it up there. It is. So what happens to those salons that, you know, are charging thirty-five pounds, and now they cannot trade, they cannot actually make any money out of a thirty-five-pound haircut. But, but you couldn't anyway. They're having to go up to sixty pounds. You, you couldn't anyway. Like I said to you last week, I mean, it, they lose their customers. I, I, don't they? Yeah, I, I figured out about ten years ago, it cost eighteen pounds to do a blow dry. Do you know what I mean? So how can you charge yeah. thirty five pounds and sort of say the pandemic is um, affecting my business? Look mm. at your pricing, mate. Believe it. Yeah. Believe. But like I say, that that that's that's the free market that we've got now. Yeah. You can charge whatever yeah. the the you know the the um you can charge well, whatever you the, did, you the did. people will are willing to pay yeah, for, for your for your professionalism. I mean, we listen. We spend a lot of years. In our uh, to learn our trade, right? To learn the skill sets. Why That's give right. it away free? Yeah, you know what I mean. An actor doesn't sort of like do a do a movie for for less than X amount of money. You, you, mm. you know what I mean? Or or a pop star wouldn't sort of produce a record. And you know, unless it's starting up. But once they're qualified, you know what I mean. I'm talking about not when they're learning. Um, when they get to the top of their tree, it doesn't matter what level you are. You know, you could be Auntie Ethel's in Peckinmore Street, or or sort of yeah. like the the Richard Wars, right? You know what I mean? You, when you get there, you have to charge the maximum. 
because you yeah I like the meme I, there's a meme um, I'll put it on the Salonomics Telegram page yeah. um, for you to look at Joe but it's essentially an, an invoice and it's an invoice for £10,000 and it's bro the invoice is broken down into two it's like one screw a pound yeah. knowing where to put the screw £9,999 <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's right that's what we're talking about yeah, right exactly. experience yeah. you know building yourself up building your clientele this is what we talk about on the show you know about putting your prices up gives you an opportunity if your current clients don't want to pay it then great you're opening the space up for somebody who, but, will, who but, is willing to exactly. pay it exactly look at sort of like these top restaurants yeah you know there's 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 these people paying £10,000 for a bottle of wine I mean Mm. Where in the common sense, right? It's sort of ten thousand pound bottle of wine, a Petrus or yeah. So essentially, what these what these um, what these people are, cl are campaigning for is the right for a minimum charge. Is, is it a minimum charge? So all, all wine must be at least a thousand pounds. Yeah, you can only serve uh, wine that's a thousand pounds or above. You know, I mean, people would just stop buying, you know, 99% of people stop buying wine. They would, they would go, just like 99% of people will start doing their hair at which home. Which is exactly what they've been doing. They'll, which is exactly <laughs> what they've been doing during pandemic. They'll start doing their hair at home because they'll realise that, yeah, I like getting my hair done professionally, but I don't want it to cost me an arm and a leg. You know, I want it to be, you know, on my well, terms and not... Well, again, okay, you know, can, I, can we just sort of go on that, right? It, they will pay yeah. arm and leg if they're getting value for it. If, if they're getting if value, they, totally. If they're not getting value, forget it. You know, even if £5 if, is what, too much But that's money. what I'm saying. If you're £35 an hour hairdresser and you're being forced to charge £70, but you've not got the skills to charge but, but, but you had though. you're going to lose all your but clients you had that because the thing is it, it depends how you your, your outlook is right so like I, I know when I was um, behind a chair I treat everybody the same I didn't discriminate I didn't um, value one client more than the other I didn't rush one client to, to fit another one in I fitted people in but I treated everybody the same Right, there was no yeah. preface, and you know, and money doesn't discriminate, Aaron. You know, and as a hairdresser, you can't afford to discriminate, it doesn't matter as long as that, that person in that chair, right? They're there for you, and you have to treat them accordingly. Now, obviously, some hairdressers are very fickle, some are precious, or some are busy. Yeah, there's there's lots of emotions in, in a salon, all right, uh, yeah, and, and and some want to saw a quick buck, some wants, wants to, someone wants to make um, smart money. It, it, okay. Like you sort of said, it's a free enterprise that we live, we, we, we work in. It's a free enterprise. Like I say, you know, we are two free market kind of protagonists. Yeah. We do think that competition is the be all and end all. It's what creates a progressive society. It's what makes things better for all of us. Centralized systems repeatedly fail. And, you know, what we're looking at here is a, a centralized training system, centralized insurance system. And a centralised professional body, who essentially are running the rule over everybody else when they're not as talented as the people they're running the rule over. And and like I say, that's that's why I can't really respect these people because they're just trying to make our lives more difficult, mate. They're not trying to make things easy but, for us. But, and and I think times are hard enough. Times are hard enough. But you know what, Darren, mate, we 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 talked about it last week. 
and I'll just, I feel I like to close the subject, right? Technology yes. will kill them all off eventually. Because as you, Absolutely. as you know, right, L'Oreal, Weller, and Schwarzkopf are in the developer stages of this sort of like um, salon intelligence, where you've got this sort of machines, right? They can analyze your hair, your skin, your tones, everything. So again, you don't need all these. So nothing's left to chance. That's right. They're, they're basically improving the odds of you having a hundred percent good experience it's, every exactly time. Exactly right. Technology will do exactly. that. Exactly. Not rules exactly. that you have to deal with. And I'm going to quote by law Donald Trump's yeah. quote right when he when he was asked about. Oh, here you go. We're going we're going to lose half hour. No, 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 no. Now. When, when he sort of said Donald right, when climate change, right, because he did agree to the Paris Agreement, right, he said technology yeah. will resolve the issues. It is right. Right, and in the art industry, technology will eventually resolve all these issues about customer complaints. Because at the end, that's what it's all about, right? Customer complaints. And again, the sons of the future will have less bodies, more technology. All right. So, you know, to mix yeah. in the colours, it will be proportionalised. Okay. Perfect. What? So, okay then. So, I mean, the original show was. So, you know, we was going to talk about, do, um, do you think that this mandatory re regulation, do you think this will enforce salons to put make all their staff self-employed because of the amount of I don't bureaucracy and admin and law that comes into... Um, that comes into focus when you, you bring in all these new rules and everything in? It will be more convenient for a salon owner to have self-employed yes. people working for yes. them as opposed to yes. employed yes. people, yes. right? Yes. So who ultimately is going to be protected from these new rules that, that come in? Do you well, think? Uh, I, well, they're not coming in. If they're coming, you mean? If they're coming. If they're, if they're coming. coming. Yeah, it, sorry. Speculating. Well, it, the only people who benefit, right, is, is the um, the councils, the, the professional bodies. Because at the end of the day, right, yeah, the employer wouldn't give a damn one way or another if the hairdresser is employed or self-employed, as long as they produce the work and the results. Mm. Okay? And, and the numbers are coming in. Yeah. I, I do believe the employer, employer, not employer, the employed or will lose. Employed or the, yeah, the employer will lose. The employed or the self employed will win. Because, I mean, like in, like in today's with the unions, the, the employee is king, right? Yeah. Um, in, in all industries. So, in, in our industry, it, it, it will be the stylist will be king. It will control the shots. Yeah. Really, because... And, and did you see what Rishi Sunak put out the other day? Um, in order to increase the amount of VAT on our sector, because that, that's, that's government's ultimate goal, yeah. right? To make everyone pay, uh, pay VAT in an industry that, you know, shouldn't, shouldn't have VAT charged on time services. But Rishi Sunak has basically said any self-employed person working out of a salon, their turnover will automatically be put on that salon's turnover in order to stop that salon from getting out of being, uh, sorry, in order for that to stop that salon from going, Extent. staying below the VAT threshold of £85,000 wow. a year. Okay. So, so, yeah, so essentially these... In conclusion then, Joe, the Hair and Barber Council, the Salon Owners United, they are campaigning to basically 
kill their establishments. Yes. Kill the business, yes. <laughs> All right, we'll crack on. I'm going to say freelance. I think freelance is the winner for the next couple of years until this industry sorts itself out. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah I, in conclusion... What's your conclusion then, I'm, Joe? You know? My conclusion, I, 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 I don't want to keep going on about these um, councils of professional bodies, right? But in, in all my sort of professional uh, years... They, they never, I never seen any benefit from them, and 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 in this pandemic, right, they become more and more vocal, and I don't understand why they try to become this or like this, be all an end all um, answer to to the industry, because the industry has to change, but it doesn't have to change through regulations. It has to change because of. Of certain things, and you know, Colette Osborne did actually sort of think that the she does believe that the, uh, the industry has suffered and exposed certain cracks through the pandemic. But I don't think attacking um, the industry itself is the answer. It, you have to rethink and restrategize and, and, and restructure the, the whole um, industry to, in order to survive. And they're not they're not thinking it very clearly, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Well, not clearly, but they're not doing it correctly because they seem to be attacking the, the smaller man rather than the, the bigger boys, really. Yeah, precisely. I mean, I'm still going with that they're, they're communists. Yes. Um, <laughs> from the simple perspective of my belief is that what is good for the individual by default is good for the collective. Yeah. Now, what these people seem to be doing is trying to generate rules for the collective that essentially penalises the individual. And I find that in society is unacceptable. So you read Karl Marx, did you? (laughs) Well, no, I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't want to get involved in all that. But I'm just saying, you know, it's why I'm a Bitcoiner as well, mate. You know, when you've got too many pigs at the trough, things go wrong. No, definitely. I, 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 but again, right, it, it just goes to show how um, fragile the industry is when you've got so many professional bodies, so like all, all, all acting out of, the, out of the interest. But really, the interest is is that seven percent, uh, and not the, the the majority. Yeah. Uh, and that's rules for thee, but not for yeah, me, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's a yeah. sad thing, really. Yeah. You know. All right then, mate. Should we bring this to a close? I, I think I so. think that was a good show. Well done. We get a round of applause. Um, so, so yeah. Um, what's got you go on LinkedIn this week, Joe? Nothing really. I've, I've been I've been sort of talking to this um, woman uh, from China. She's so connected with me, and, and, and you know she's they they're producers of hair tools and things like that. And um, I, I'm just kind of getting fed up with all this. I said, look, when, that's all great. I said to her. But what about cordless hairdryer? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Because that is the next thing in our industry, right? You know, forget about hair dryers or tongs. Or it has to be cordless. And, and she's actually, we've got one in prototype. I said, okay. So we started engaging and talking. And mm. um, and, and, and she's, she'd be quite happy to actually sort of like, she actually said to me, she will actually send me a sample once the uh, prototype is ready because she was tell- she was saying right they got one that's of 30 minutes and um they're, they're trying to expand the the hour the, the minutes right and, and i'm kind of thinking well you know what if you've got tongs you've got sort of straightening eyes and things like that, all you need to do is dry the hair 
and then you can style the hair with the tools, can't you? So, mm. see, if you've got 30 minutes of drying time, that's enough to dry the hair, don't you think? Yeah, for sure. And then you style it with all the tools. So I said, I said to her, look, if you've got 30 minutes, that is your beta stage. I think you can actually put that on the market, really, really. Because, uh, and then you can, for sure, and then you can work on that. So, yeah. so she, it just depends how long it takes to charge, doesn't it? Because, like, if you've got like you know, a, one client every hour, is that half hour going to be enough to give you a full charge to do the next one? I suppose if you bought two, well, this is it. This that's the answer, right? That, that you buy two, that's what you'd do. You'd buy, you'd buy two, two, wouldn't you? You'd have two or three. Uh, uh, well, yeah, if, if it's a salon, right, you'd have one everywhere, wouldn't you? So, like, pick one up, pick one up. But it just depends. I mean, I haven't seen the product. Obviously not, but what I have sort of seen these cordless hair dryers, right? They're they're very clumpy. It's like a like a hand handheld um, drills. Have you seen them? Big bulky yeah. bottom and a big head. Yeah, so they're quite heavy. Yeah. So at the moment, that that seems to be the issue, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's just the weight of these things yeah. and the the weight of a battery. I suppose it's tantamount. Like you imagine in the eighties having an hour's phone conversation on one of those old mobile phones. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's like picking up a brick to your ear. I suppose you're going to get RSI. But, but it, Not that those phones even lasted an hour in the yeah, 80s, it did, it, did it, it, You couldn't it, actually it, talk about them. You had a portable charging um, cases handled, didn't you? But, but, it, but, exactly. but if you actually look at it... But that's the point. That's the point you're making, yeah. right? You know, the mobile phone had to start so, somewhere. That's right. Get it on the market, you know. start somewhere, and then once you get trapped, then the money you're generating... You can invest into it, can't you? Rather, yeah. assume so. You know, out of all this time I've been in LinkedIn, right? This was the one conversation I really enjoyed with someone. You know what I mean? Mm. Because everyone trying to sell me something, you know, try, try to do something like that, right? This one, I that is true. They do. It, it is. There's a lot of scammers yeah, on LinkedIn. You know what I mean? So this was what I really enjoyed. See, so was a little that got me on my goat, but I thought, you know what? This is productive. That was productive. So, for sure yeah all right then mate um we are coming towards the end of the show um so what what's happening in the next show we, we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about in the next show i think we should talk about the self-employed to the advantage of being self-employed to uh, employed what do you think okay i i can i can get down because we've both been um, there right yeah well, I think we could sort of like, we'd have to research it, but I think we could sort of talk about it from our own experiences. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, we've also got, you know, how business ideas evolve from scams yes. as well. We've, we've, um, there's, that's something we can talk about. We can talk about, um, yeah. We, can we got, let the audience um, decide? Actually, let's get them to decide what we... What we well, they can do, we, but, you know, um, that's, I can't, I can't, I can't, um, I can't. Well, I mean, of course, we can get the order. Look, I'm going to cut all this out. This has all gone on long enough. Um, we have got ideas that future salonomic ideas include all hair awards are a scam. That's going to be a good show. Yep. Um, insurance companies fight back, and our industry leaders only have themselves to blame. That's another idea for a show we've had. Um, so, yeah, we've got lots on the horizon. Joe, where can people find you? On salonomics, on Telegram. On LinkedIn, that's you're on Twitter as well, though. Mate, I am on know. Twitter, but I don't really engage Twitter that much, really, to be honest with you, mate. You know what I mean? But um, but yeah, unless it's Arsenal or Jacques. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, once again, I've been Aaron Dawn. You can find me Aaron Dawn Hair on Twitter. 
like Joe says, Salonomics on Telegram. It's really good, actually, Telegram. I don't know if anyone's explored that yet, but it's it's so much better than WhatsApp. Much better. Um, in terms of resources and sending files, files that are, you know, large um, and not compressed, um, you know, videos, sound bites, you know, Telegram's a fantastic thing. So go and check that out. Um, yeah, um, you can sign up for the future retail. Um, make retail easy if you go to gosalon.uk. Um, yeah, apart from that, Joe, I think we're done here. Okay, then, mate. I'm going to take the dogs out for a walk now. Fortunately, it stopped raining. Um, I'll speak to you later. All right, then, mate. Adios. Right. I'll see you soon. Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> Catch you All later. Right. Bye, take mate. Care.